I have been waiting to have an episode on Tantra, and the day has finally come. I brought on Yosef Sagi. Yosef has been involved in the personal development and spiritual world for about 20 years, and it shows. Together, we talk all about Tantra, BDSM for healing, why it's important to release sexual shame, and how all of this can help you live an empowered life where you're fully expressed in your communication, your needs, your boundaries, your creativity, and so much more. So if you're interested in harnessing that sexual energy for your overall wellness outside of the bedroom, stick with us until the end. Trigger warning, we briefly cover how sexual abuse victims can use BDSM for healing past traumas. Let's dive in. First question, how did you get into Tantra? Like what led you to want (laughs) to pursue this slash, did you ever see this for yourself? It's so funny. Um, Definitely where I'm at today in the work that I do today, even looking back a couple years ago, I couldn't imagine it was possible. Mm. In retrospect, I feel like I always had a strong connection to my sexuality. Of course, I didn't know what Tantra was when I was younger, but I always had a strong connection to my sexuality. And I think what led me to first explore Tantra and sacred sexuality and then eventually into BDSM and just the sexuality world in general was this, I was, I felt that I was very at odds around my sexuality. On one hand, um, I felt personally very connected to it and it was very alive inside of me. And then the other hand, uh, a lot of external forces and internalized shame repressed it for a Mm. long time. And I had that battle inside of me for of decades honestly and the short story is that I had a couple people in my life that came to me almost unsolicited they were it's funny for me to say this one was an astrologer another read Akashic records and they sort of like dropped uh, little bits of information for me of you know breadcrumbs of where I could find more of myself and Mm. that eventually led me to the tantric world and from there to explore sexuality in general and It was really a process of my own personal healing that I was going on. I didn't recognize or know that eventually it was what I would do. Hmm. I like that it started with you. Yeah. You were seeking the healing. I think that's where it needs to start. If you're really going to do any type of work or else what happens. And I didn't realize it at the time. You know, I I have this tendency that as soon as something's interesting, I want to teach it because I've been a teacher for so long. Mm -hmm. And now I'm more patient. I learned something. It's like, okay, well, first let's integrate this because I think that we see not just in the sexuality world, although definitely a lot in the sexuality world, but in general, in all spiritual and personal development world, you have people who rush to teach before it's integrated. Mm. Then what they transmit isn't really as powerful as it can be and often out of integrity because they haven't done the work themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, I mean, you can't take people through spaces you haven't been yourself, right? You can. I definitely see people who try, but <laughs> but I don't think that you can do it as effectively. That makes uh, sense. Let's zoom out a little bit. For people who don't know, what is Tantra and also what is BDSM? Sure. So they almost seem like two sides of the same coin to me where I'm at mm-hmm. right now, although... There is a lot of similarity. Tantra is this ancient practice. It's the esoteric side of a lot of Eastern philosophies like Hinduism and Buddhism. It's the sort of the mystical secret stuff that was taught around these practices. And 
it's really, I, I mean, maybe like 10 to 15% of it is around sexuality. It's really about everything. It's about connecting to the force of the universe and um, Tantra itself means web. It's like the interconnectedness of all things. It's one of the definitions of it. It's the interconnectedness of all things. And so it's really a holistic practice of how to live your life by channeling and using your sexual energy and transmuting it into all the other types of energy that you need in your life because sexual energy is creative energy and so mm. sometimes it looks like different yogas um, that you do whether they're poses or breath work or meditation or what you eat or how you sleep and how you use your sexual energy as well so there are just all different parts of what uh, Tantra teaches you. And it's highly philosophical. So that you have that on one side. Mm -hmm. And BDSM is usually tied to the idea to the world of kink, basically. And there's a lot that it encompasses. It's not always sexual as well. It has to do with power dynamics, with um, different ways people relate to each other, there's, you know, in the BDSM, there's the bondages, there's the domination, there's the sadism, there's the masochism, there's a lot of the different facets of what it might look like. And for some people, it's a strictly psychological process. And for a lot of people, they do incorporate sexuality into it, but it's not necessary there. To me, in my interpretation of how I see these two things, Tantra is a lot of the light work or around personal development and BDSM is a lot of the shadow work around mm. personal development. Although you can do both with both, but I, I sort of see that that's sort of how it separates itself. And at least that's the way it was for me. Tantra was for me to connect to the divine inside of me, to my soul, to uh, energy. And BDSM is a lot about integrating all the parts that I was afraid of and I didn't want to see. Wow. I like that you're you're making it very obvious that it's not just about sex because I feel like there's this conception that, oh, Tantra, orgies and sex everywhere, but that's not. And I think there's a healing energy in that. What would be like the process of using either BDSM or Tantra for healing? Yeah, it can look like a lot of different ways. So I would say that for the most part from, again, two different conversations, but in the Tantric world, it's a concept that uh, we translate as transmutation of energy or a sublimation of energy. And in Sanskrit, it's called the Brahmakarya, which is basically, we have the seven chakra system. The majority of our energy for most people is trapped in the lower chakras and specifically for most people in the sacral chakra. So the energy is trapped there. And that's why most people don't feel expressed in their life. They don't, it doesn't go up into their heart space to connect to unconditional love and create the relationships they want it doesn't go into the throat chakra space for them to be expressed in their creativity and doesn't go into the third eye for uh, insight and wisdom and intuition and doesn't go to the crown for uh, connection to the divine or um, these like deep blissful spiritual experiences it gets trapped in the lower chakras and so the tantric practice is mostly about taking that energy and transmuting it and moving it through your body upwards. That's sort of, uh, like I said, sort of what I see is the light work and the energy work. Hmm. In BDSM, you could use BDSM as strictly a recreational practice, but what I find it does for most people is we are always in our life, in every aspect of our life, in power dynamics. Our 
reality is built that way. It's, you know, there's a structure, socioeconomic structure in how things work. And there's people with more money have power over people with less money. There's politics, there's the patriarchy, there's religion. All of these structures have power dynamics in them. And the majority of the power dynamics that we're in are non-consensual. Mm. No, we didn't choose them. They just exist and we're a part of them and we have to deal with it. And what BDSM, when it's done right, creates is a space for you to consensually choose to enter into power dynamics. And you get to choose to be the dominant or to be the submissive or to play with both, both of those energies. And that already creates that choice already creates a lot of empowerment. Mm. And that's just one facet of BDSM. And another part of it is really looking at all these parts that we haven't been given permission to express. A lot of times it's certain emotions like anger, sadness, you know, what we call the negative emotions we can't mm. express those or desires that people think are weird. And so they live in the shadows or, you know, some people, like things that are like really weird or something. There's people who have fantasies about being ravaged. And there's people who have fantasies about doing inappropriate things with, or, or doing things that seem inappropriate with certain people based on power dynamics in their life. And you get to enter that world because you create a consensual space for it. And there's room for everything. There's room for your cruelty. There's room for your rapture. There's room for your pleasure. There's room for your expression. It's a permission field for you to bring every facet of yourself. And yeah. so space to integrate all those parts. Wow, that is immensely wholesome, mm -hmm. that type of healing. I I kind of told you this beforehand when I met you, but what drew, what drew me in really was the power that one can feel from consensual submission and the healing that can come with that. And a question that I've seen roaming around around that topic is, wouldn't that be re-triggering for said person going into submission? Is that, do you hear that question often? Well, absolutely. There's always the, you know, when someone has deep traumas, there's always the fear of re-triggering those traumas. And that happens, uh, that can happen in so many different ways. And that's why it's important because I've seen it be re-triggered in BDSM, but also in Tantra, you know, there's people mm. who offer Tantric body work and you suddenly like start pressing certain pressure points and these traumas keep, you know, come back. So it's really important that people that you're stepping into these containers with understand how the body works and how trauma works and can create a safe space for it, a safer space for it, let's say, because really you never know what can happen. So you try and set the container ahead of time and afterwards as well. So in BDSM, there's the creation of the scene and then there's aftercare and the scene happens in between. And mm -hmm. so what you do before and what you do after is going to create a big difference on the experience during the scene. And it's more important than the scene itself. It makes sense. Reintegrating. or not, Is it reintegrating, I guess? Or integrating? Yeah, there's an integration that happens afterwards. And it's important to ask a lot of questions before to see. And, so, and, and it, it's true that sometimes things can be re-traumatizing. But there is sort of this like idea of choose what happened to you. Because hmm. most people, things happened to them and they were a victim to it and they had no control. And that makes them feel powerless. Hmm. And for some people, choosing it, choosing to step back into that similar situation with a professional in a safe way puts the power back in their hands because now they chose it. Right, right. And at any point in time, 
they can take it back. And it, exactly, they can. The power is always in their hands. It's the, the sub always has the power to end the scene. To it's it's really the generally speaking, the dom is in service to the sub's experience. Mm, that is powerful. Why would you advise for some? This is kind of going back to the conversation about tantra and awakening from the sacral. Why would you advise someone to go through the process of awakening the their sexual energy? Like why, what's on the other side of that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we talked a lot in the new city, like, oh, sex is only a small part of it. I would say mm-hmm. that the, the world that we live in, or there's like a famous quote that says, everything's about sex, except for sex. Sex is about mm-hmm. power, right? So Tantra uh, implicitly states that every energy, the source of everything is sexual energy. Because sexual energy is creative energy. And so the creation of the universe from a tantric perspective happened from this unification of these two forces, you know, the masculine and the feminine, a lot of people sort of call them. And it's like, just like a sperm and an egg come together to create new life. Mm. The benefit of harnessing your sexual energy is having more creative power to create your life on your terms. Hmm. As opposed to not creating it on our terms. So as opposed to living by default. Right. You just you sort of go with the flow of what is a lot of the time. Most of us aren't, uh, most people aren't as tapped into their uh, creative energy as they could be. And mm-hmm. what that ends up creating is, I mean, there's a lot of different applications to it. But when you start repressing things, you start repressing your desires, you start repressing your emotions. And by the way, our desire, our sexual energy, our creative energy, our emotional energy is all trapped in the same or all originates in the same spot, which is the sacral chakra. When you start repressing those things and you don't allow them out and you don't give them space, it has to go somewhere. Where that goes, if it's repressed long enough, is into the body. And then you start having aches and pains uh, in your body and it's stored in our muscles. And then all of a sudden you're in pain because mm. the body's trying to communicate to you something that you didn't listen to it when it was a thought and you didn't listen to it when it was an emotion and you kept pushing it down. So now it becomes a pain in the body until eventually you can't ignore it. Yes. Right. Yes. Because because you get sick, the immune system suffers from it because yes. expressing and letting out our feelings, our emotions and our desires actually loosens the tension in the body and creates a more fluid state for us. So on top of the fact that it gives you more ability to have the vitality and the energy to create your life, it's healthy for you. Mm. It's healthy for you psychologically, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Agreed. Wow. There, I was listening to a podcast recently that was saying that the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. And so I wonder if the the lack of, or the suppression that happens internally, sexually, can manifest in other ways in life, in, in career, in relationships, suppressing our desires and what we want that's what that's a that's the pattern that i definitely see a lot of the time a lot of people are ashamed or shy to even express to their longtime partners some of their sexual desires they're afraid if i share this what will they think of me Mm. right i'm going to be embarrassed or what if they won't like me anymore what if they shun me those are generally the same kind of people who are afraid to speak up their mind in other places as well. Yeah. Or there's people who in the bedroom, there's a whole performance issue. It's like, oh, we need to get to an orgasm. And, and this is typically more for men, but it happens for women as well. I need to, you know, make sure that uh, she orgasms. Mm-hmm. Or I need to make sure that I perform. 
And there's this like need to get to a very particular destination that the process of getting there is almost forgotten. Mm. And a lot of time that shows in other aspects of the life as well. This is where we live in an achievement culture. It's all about the goals. It's all about what you achieve. And we forget about the process of getting there and enjoying the process. And so a lot of people are actually disconnected from their pleasure in the process or this like glimmer of pleasure that comes and goes so quickly at the very end. Right. Why not enjoy the whole process and what comes after it? So yeah. we've been, in a lot of ways, and yeah, absolutely. How you show up somewhere is how you show up everywhere. And that's why I, I came to focus around sexuality because I've always been in the personal development industry and the spiritual spirituality industry. And I know that how people show up somewhere is how they show up everywhere. Mm. Either because sexuality has been so tabooed and so repressed and there's so much energy around it that it everything becomes magnified there. And so when you heal it there, it helps to heal it everywhere else. Yeah. Is What would you say within your clients? What is the number one emotion that comes up in resistance to wanting to open up their, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, open up their sexual energy, open up their channels. Like Shame's usually number one. And shame, according to most experts, is the lowest resonating type of state that you can be in. Mm. It's a complete disconnection and rejection of the self. Where do you think that originates? Uh, wow, tale as old as time. I mean, it's most most closely related to a lot of the religious practices you know there is the concept in christianity of original sin mm. that we're all born as sinners right in catholicism specifically uh and it's not exclusive there it's in most religious paths and it's in how we've built our society around patriarchy as well when we were more tribal there wasn't shame around our sexuality it was something very natural if you look at the bonobo monkeys for instance they're like constantly interacting with each other sexually regardless of mm. their sex gender age uh dynamics they're just like you know and we were closer to that i would say when we were tribal and as we developed as a society and we needed to create certain economic safeties for ourselves we moved towards a more family unit and that's where we became more precious around our sexuality because if you're in a family unit and a monogamous family unit, then all of a sudden the dynamic changes. And now, you know, a woman has to make sure that she chooses a man that can provide for her. And so mm. she's very careful around her sexuality. And then a man's going to want to protect and have ownership around the woman because she's carrying his genetic payload into the next generation. So now there's a lot of ownership around that and a lot of repression of a, particularly women's sexuality, but men's as well. And it created just a lot of structure and rules around how to express ourselves sexually. And when we broke those rules, how do we get governed best? How is it easiest to control a person? Shame. Make them think that they're wrong. Gaslighting their experience. Wow. When I went into the world of exploring Tantra, I, I did so specifically because I felt like there was more to sex. I felt like it wasn't just about orgasming. I felt like there was something magical to be had there that I was missing. Um, and what it's, it's what did I find? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I started learning about Tantra and that, that, that sex is, is energy. And that sentence in and of itself, I was like, what do you mean sex is energy? Like sex is life force. What does that mean? And honestly, I'm still kind of learning about what, what that means within who I am outside of the bedroom. Like, mm -hmm. 
how can I bring in this sexual life force energy outside? That's that's what I'm most intrigued in, in using it as, as this conduit. So what have you discovered so far? What has shifted for you? Hmm. <laughs> I've discovered that there's so much more I need to know. First mm-hmm. of all, there's a lot that I don't know. And I've discovered that specifically with BDSM, like I, I'm someone who's been in my dom, if you will, been in in control, I guess is a better word to say that, in control for so long that choosing submission, I thought would be something really powerful and empowering and being able to to receive. So that's that's kind of where my my head was at with wanting to learn all of these things. Where did you learn? Um I definitely learned. Oh, I just have a question for you. Like I'm happy to go back to this. I just <laughs> really got curious about your experience. Is that all right? Yeah, of course. So first of all, this craving um, for people who are more dominant to experience submission is very normal and very common. I think that's why professional dominatrixes and dominance exist. I'm curious, what do you believe it is that you're craving in your expression? What do you most want to feel permission to express in that submission state? Mm, I'm not sure if this answers the question, but permission to receive, to fully, these words feel really weird saying, but to fully be done to, to not have to control or dictate the way things go and just fully receive, which now feels weird saying because I, the way that you described it was that the sub is the one in control, but I'm like, wait, I don't want to be in control. Well, the sub is the one that the sub is, has, has the control of choosing into the scene at the beginning, right? And at any point to choose out of the scene. But it is the sub that uh, completely releases their control and the dom leads their experience. And I think that that's why you're craving it. And that being said, you said the word, you know, that you want to receive. But what it sounds like to me, and and the word you said afterwards, that you want to be done too. It's almost like you want to be, instead of giving, you want to be taken from. Hmm. How does that land? It lands scary. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? It lands, because it lands true, Um, to be taken from. Hmm. In an autonomous way, I think that's the most powerful part of it, really. Because typically... Again, uh, these are sweeping generalizations, but typically in hetero relationships, and this can be extrapolated, of course, for non-hetero relationships, but typically men give to women set in sexual encounters more than women give to men. There, there are, of course, it goes both ways, but it's mm-hmm. typically more the man who is expected to do the work and mm-hmm. uh, the woman who receives and the man sort of gets to just be with a woman and that's like that's mm. and th- that's the typical dynamic that the man's supposed to pleasure the woman and help the woman to achieve the orgasm and that's the pressure that's typically seen mm-hmm. it's another dynamic which is a scarier dynamic to work in which is the dynamic instead of giving and receiving the dynamic of taking and allowing and just to give a little credit here for who did learn from this is um the Wheel of Consent by Betty Martin that talks about this a lot and it's worth taking a look at. Um, but it's that other dynamic and it's called the Wheel of Consent because any in any of these dynamics, they can exist within consent or outside of consent. And the giving, receiving is like a safer dynamic because 
it's uh, in consensually it's very beautiful and when it's non-consensual it's problematic but not as edgy because who someone who gives without consent is sort of just like a pleaser and someone who mm. receives without consent uh or you know like expects to receive without consent you know at worst is like a pillow princess or a selfish or something like that but when you go into the other dynamic which is taking and allowing outside of consent is very edgy as someone who takes without consent is an abuser and someone who allows or, or is taken from rather in a non-consensual situation is a victim to that abuse mm-hmm. and we see a lot of that in the world today through the me too things whether it's harassment whether it's rape whether it's just people taking power from each other that's a very scary dynamic so people are afraid to approach that and then once you bring it into a consensual framework like a bdsm scene you get to play with those edges but i think that because it's the risk is higher the reward is also higher submissive often craves the submission is total surrender that's what it is it's i know you my dom you can do anything that you want to me right now you could end my life if you wanted to i'm tied up you've got you know all the power over me and yet because i trust you Mm. and because i feel safe with you you can do anything you want for me and there's like a feeling of that's really letting go of everything wow that's what we really crave and now if we take that and extrapolate it to the rest of your life that's why we talk about surrender in life and like you know, having a partnership with the universe, like we can never know. And we are not in control. There's something that's bigger in control. Even just if you don't believe in God or anything, there's like a whole world Mm -hmm. that operates outside of you and you're never in control of it. And you can be a victim to it. Or if you choose into it, if it's consensual and you surrender into it, then there's the magic of where the universe takes you and what's available to you. And the only difference there is whether you resist it or you choose it and so when you play with it in the bdsm framework you get a taste of what it's like to choose into that surrender if anything can happen to me in this space the dom creates the scene the dom is the director of the scene Mm -hmm. but i'm the one who chose into it and i can always step out of it wow i have a friend recently who was speaking on that experience that she she had her first scene and and she was a sub and she says that there's a deep meditation that a meditative state that she felt after that being able to completely surrender is is that a common thing the sub meditation state state. right you call it the sub state it's during the scene itself that it happens right Mm. the sub the say it's very hypnotic or meditative there's a lot of hormones that start being released in your body through that experience you get the oxytocin, right? Because you get oxytocin from physical touch and you get it also from being held. So whether there's restraints or the, or the dom is directly holding down the sub or tying with rope, it starts releasing the oxytocin in the mm-hmm. body. Now, when you bring an impact play and there's pain mixed with pleasure, what happens is that the pain actually elicits an endorphin response from the body. So now your body's releasing endorphins as well. Mm. So you've got oxytocin, you've got endorphins, you get the serotonin boosts as well from the experience. So your body starts creating this chemical state of various types of pleasure all brought together in ways that are typically more challenging to experience all of that. And you can through, Mm. through sex, you definitely get a few of those, but I believe in these scenes, what's available 
is even more. It's sort of like what awoke me into this world were a couple different scenarios. There was a first time, which is just um, a friend of my partner that had just been getting into BDSM and I've never had an experience with it. And I got like a mini dom session and I started having this curiosity. Oh my God, what's happening here? And then at a retreat I was at, which is another place where I learned uh, more around sexuality, it's called ISTA. You can look that up. Mm, I yeah. And just one, it wasn't part of the curriculum. It was one of the participants there who was also a dumb. And all of a sudden we created a scene together. I didn't even know it was called a scene at the time where I was dominated and I totally went into subspace and it included uh, impact play as well. I don't bruise easily. And I walked away from that with quite a few bruises, but it didn't feel painful at the time, mm-hmm. which was really fascinating. I felt so safe and held in that space and so turned on by the experience and so alive from the experience. And one of the things that I didn't realize that happened, my partner told me later when she was watching was someone else tried to come into the scene and also, you know, bring in some impact towards me and the dumb held the space. And she said, no, he's mine nothing happens to him without going through me that I didn't notice in the time because again I was in that space but hearing that I recognized what was the energy that I felt that I was so submitted to her I felt so safe I knew that I was taken care of in that Mm. space and that's what the dom creates for the sub is a holding and a safety and as well bringing in little mini triggers thing to bring stuff up but in the safety field I felt so safe in that space and that was really my sort of deeper awakening into recognizing what was available there and where my curiosity started. And they do say that to be a good dom, it helps to be a sub first. So you know what mm. you're getting yourself into. And I would say that being my my entree into BDSM, being with a couple of sub experiences first have definitely given me a lot of insight. Truth is that probably my nature is that I'm very switchy and I can go either way. That's the term, mm. either a dom or sub. Mm-hmm. But we're myself most of the time is in uh is more in the dom space that's more the energy that i hold yeah thank you for sharing that i love all these experiences (laughs) before we do wrap up i want to ask one question and i always ask this question because it's we often talk about the highlight reel on instagram right the amazing things that we're doing so i'd love for you to share something that you're currently working on maybe something internally or with your partner like what's what is yosef working on Oh, personally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For me personally, it's the ongoing work of dismantling my internalized shame mm. that still exists around my sexuality and even more than my sexuality, just my power. I notice I've been playing it small, smaller than I can for a long time. I, without, you know, at the risk of sounding egotistical around this, I do have a wide and diverse set of skills and mastery over a lot of the work that I do between the coaching work and spirituality and teaching. I've been in a lot of these fields for a long time and I'm capable of holding tremendous space. And I still notice that I play it small and I'm afraid of doing a lot of things that I know that I want to do that I know that I would be good at. Mm. So that's the work that I've been stepping into and probably like the most recent uh, manifestation of me stepping into it is creating something that I call the mystery temple, which I've only done a handful of times so far, but they're like conscious play parties. So it's part Mm. 
workshop and connection exercises that leads to an open playtime and and I created those because of my previous experiences uh, going to these types of parties and finding that wasn't quite what I liked. For me, stepping into my power has led to these events actually being the single most successful uh, in terms of amount of people coming, uh, mm-hmm. single most successful thing I've ever created in my life. And all it took was me giving myself permission to do that because I never did. Mm. Thank you for giving yourself permission because you changed lives. You've changed mine during this (laughs) brief 40 minutes that we've talked. I appreciate you being vulnerable. And it's what I appreciate most about it is you come off as such a knowledgeable, which which you are knowledgeable in what you do and skilled in what you do. And even so, there's still things that you're working on. And that's not just you. It's like every single human. And I was having a conversation today with a client that was saying, everyone on social media is always having a good time. All the spiritual people know everything. And I was like, yeah, but we also go through things. So I appreciate that piece of vulnerability. I I think it's so important to acknowledge that and to use it. You know, I still, you know, when I still go to other people's play events and I notice my own social anxiety come up and my own comparison to other people and my own fears, I don't try and like, play it confident just because this is my work and I sit with it, it allows me to keep that in mind when I create my things Mm -hmm. and know what's going on for other people, perhaps, and to acknowledge that and to create a space for that. So yeah, I like to use all of that. I mean, like I said, sort of coming full circle, it's primarily everything that I'm doing is for my own healing. So in a sense, it's, I'm not doing this for other people. I'm doing it for myself because I'm afraid of stepping mm. into it, I'm going to step into it. Because I have shame, I'm going to face it down and I'm going to work through it. And everyone else in my field, whether the people who are coming to my events or my clients, you're along for the ride because maybe you felt something about me, but I'm doing it for me. Mm, that's genuine work. That's the inner work. That's real work. Yeah, that's the radical integration of all the parts. It's the opposite of the shame. That's like, what else mm. about myself? Am I still rejecting And instead, can I allow in and find its place and find love for it? Mm, Holding space for all the parts of you. Yeah. So where can people find out about you? And if they wanted to work with you, if they're feeling inspired by this, which I'm sure many people are, what would that work look like? So first of all, where to find me? The easiest way is on Instagram. And if you spell my name right, I'm the only one. Uh, It helps when you have an ethnic Mm -hmm. name like this. (laughs) Um, literally, if you spell my name right, I'm the only one on all of social media, Instagram or my website. If you go to my bio on Instagram, you can sign up for a newsletter for the Mystery Temple as well. And work with me can look like one-on-one work or couples work, or I do workshops as well. And I speak at events. Uh, I've been a consent educator and a tantric educator at events as well. It's generally, if you work with me one-on-one or in couples, it's going to it's gonna be a combination of the modalities w- which I use, which is coaching, tantra, BDSM, somatic work, meditation, movement, breath, a little bit of all those different things in just the right quantities, uh, support people in creating more intimacy, tapping into more pleasure, more polarity, being more of who they really are, more of themselves eradicating that shame that's that's what i'm passionate about can i ask you a question yes you can (laughs) to finish it up um you said that you learned a lot from this experience i'm wondering if there's what's the biggest insight that you take away 
from this talk that you want to move forward with? I noticed through this conversation, specifically the one about having stored energy in the sacral in the sacral chakra around sex. I'm noticing that that is a hundred percent limiting me in ways outside of the bedroom. So in my communication with my partner or even showing love to family, there's so many ways that I'm stifling said energy. I was so fixated on, I need to learn about BDSM because this is what's going to heal me. But I'm noticing that it's so much bigger than that through this. I'm realizing like, okay, Karina, this is something that is going to impact you in every single other way of life, in, in my wheel of life, if you will. What's one small step that you feel you can take in the next week to release some of that? The first thing that came to mind was quite literally meditating on my sacral chakra. So maybe doing Reiki on myself or tuning into what is happening there because I never tuned in with the lens of there might be stored energy there. Yeah. Let's channel it up. I just never came to mind. So that's one thing. Everything begins there. You put attention, right? Where attention goes, energy flows. You put attention right. on it. You can gain awareness on it and you'll know what to do next. It's perfect. Thank you, Yosa. Thank you. Until next time. Looking forward to it. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's one super special way that you can give back and that is by liking and leaving a review. This is how the algorithm gets the message to spread the show and together we can help people find healing one podcast episode at a time. You can find me on social media at Strategic Soul or on my website at www mystrategicsoul.com. I am looking forward to hearing from you, sharing space with you, and being on this path together. Ciao.